So Paul, uh, kind of the arc of Ephesians, Ephesians has been referred to as a uh, mini uh, Romans. It's, it covers a lot of the same information. Uh, the book of Ephesians is a circular letter, which means that we actually have second century copies of this very letter that read exactly the same as this one, except it starts out and says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Laodicea. So that tells us that, that probably what Paul had done, in, as, as would be common with a circular letter, is he had a particular letter that he would write to churches that he was trying to disciple and bring to that point. And I'm not saying that you know he wrote to the church at and then left a blank and Xeroxed a bunch of them off, but that's about as close as you could get, that, that those were circular letters. The church in Ephesus would have gotten that letter, read it out loud to the church, made a copy, and then sent it on down the road to, to Laodicea, which is why it's called a circular letter. It would have been passed around from person to person. In it, he in the first part of the, the letter, he gives, a, 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 as is often the case, gives a theology of how we're saved by grace through faith, the, the import of the gospel, and then... Uh, he gives us very specific um, ways to live that out. So much so that he goes through uh, how children are to behave to their parents, how wives are to behave with their husbands, how people are to behave in their jobs. Um, and then ends it with the section that we're going to look at tonight. And so he ends it and with the word, finally. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to end it because Paul was a preacher. So... Uh, he, he could have kept going for some time. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So the first thing that we have to notice as we, as we kind of think back to all that we've learned over the last few weeks about uh, demons and Satan and what we said when we looked at the imprecatory Psalms, we aren't capable of doing the fighting. You can't fight against the enemy and so here we see Paul praying, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. It is through the work of the Lord in your life that you can be victorious, not on your own. And we've talked about on Sunday mornings as we talk about the nature of the gospel. You cannot white knuckle through your sin. It's not possible. It has to be a work of the Lord. Also, we see in this that there is a fight going on. And I, I just grabbed a couple of verses that I want us to look at that show different ways the enemy works. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 16, we read, Paul is saying, I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Here, Paul is saying, hey, there's a lot of ministry that can be done, but there's also a lot of adversaries. There are a lot of people who are fighting against what I'm doing. Sometimes the enemy works through people. Sometimes the enemy works through uh, spiritual attacks. But Paul here is saying that as I'm, I'm, I've got this huge opportunity to minister in Ephesus, but while that's happening, there are many adversaries that are coming against me. As you serve the Lord, the devil's going to come against you. And sometimes we forget that. We, I've, we've talked about before how where the enemy works is here. Among God's people. He didn't have to do anything out in the bars. He's already got those people. He didn't have to do anything in the drug houses. He's already got those people. 
Where the enemy's working the hardest is right here amongst his people. And Paul is saying that even though there's a lot of ministry opportunities, there are many adversaries. In Jude 9, we see, And when the archangel Michael contended with the devil disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. We talked uh, a, a lot about this. And two things I want to remind her, one I want to point out. Even archangels ha- have attacks from the enemy. I was uh, watching a, a, a preacher uh, talking about this, and, and he, he was saying that, you know, if you really walk in with the Lord, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, the enemy doesn't have any authority in your life and can't attack you. Well, that's a lie. Here we have an archangel who's never sinned, and the enemy's coming up against what he's doing. And the second thing is, is even here with an archangel, the archangel did not presume to say, I rebuke you, but rather said, the Lord rebukes you, which proves the, the statement that we have to be strong in the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 we read, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again... But Satan hindered us. So sometimes, when, as we're trying to serve the Lord, it seems like at every turn, the enemy is going to attack. I remember... Um, on last uh, Tuesday, I had the opportunity to sit down with Steve and talk with him. And while we were talking, he brought up... Um, how much God used the mission trip that we took to Dallas in his life. And how God used that to break his heart over missions and reaching other people. In any Asian culture, it's normal that when a group of people walks up, that they look for the oldest person standing there, and that's the person that they give honor to. And so... I remember very well the Sunday morning that I, I preached, our group, you know, a big group of college kids and, and high schoolers, and we all pile out of the bus, and um, the, the man who was kind of over that church, the head elder of that church, who had actually been uh, a leader in the, the, the Buddhist community center, uh, he'd gotten saved, and now he was kind of the leader in this church, he walked up to our group and then went right to Steve and started talking to him about what we were going to do. And I'd already kind of told him, in Asian culture, you have to expect this, uh, and it would be extremely rude for him to say, well, I don't know, you ask him. So I did, kind of did everything while we were there through Steve, and Steve and that guy ended up getting really close and, and uh, emailing and texting back and forth. And so on Tuesday, Steve and I talked about that and how much he grew to, to love Kika and Anungla, and again, just how God used that in his life. There was a particular guy who had been a translator for the American forces in Iraq who had had his legs blown off. Um, and so when I wasn't with them, but Steve and a group of kids, I think Noah Huff and a couple of those guys, went into the apartment, and they were just appalled to see this guy. He was an Iraqi. He, like I said, he'd been a translator he was laying on a cardboard box. Um, Steve got in that big bus and drove down the street to a mattress store and with his own money bought 
a bedstead and mattress for the guy, came back and set it up. I mean, God just used Steve in a mighty way. The enemy did everything in his power the two weeks before we left to go to Dallas to make sure we didn't go. There were bus problems. There were interpersonal conflicts. There were people who were upset about this thing or that thing. The enemy did everything he could do to make sure that we didn't get on that bus and go serve Jesus. And I've seen that over and over and over again. I I cannot tell you the number of times when just before I was leaving to go with a group of people on a mission trip, half the group gets sick, gets the flu, gets cold, everybody feels miserable. People start calling and saying, well, I'm not going to be able to go because I got this thing or that thing. Um, It just never fails that the enemy tries to slam doors shut. Sometimes he uses people. I remember when we, Ann and I worked for the IMB, we, uh, when you do the, um, they call it ILC, which is the International Learning Center. And uh, we were there doing the training. It's about three months. And there was a group that was ahead of us that the husband and wife were going to Egypt to work as missionaries. And they were in the airport to get on the plane. And I think it was her parents. It may have been his, but I'm not trying to defame anybody. But one of their parents showed up, had a lawyer, had a restraining order saying, you can't take my grandkids to that country. So the enemy will fight. Sometimes he uses people, sometimes he uses circumstances, but the enemy will attack. And it's not, doesn't show the state of our spiritual spirituality that the, the enemy attacks. It just shows that we have an enemy who hates us. And so the real question comes down to, are we going to be strong in the Lord and keep fighting? But we have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Paul then says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, the devil schemes in all kinds of ways. There's the schemes of of temptations. In fact, Paul breaks it down that there are rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places... I think that we would be mistaken to try to go through each one of these titles and define them and label them. I looked today uh, at about four different commentaries, and all four of them had, well, this is what rulers mean, this is what authorities mean, and they were all different. And I don't think Paul is trying to be specific and give us the bureaucracy of Satan. And I fear that if we take this and get bogged down on the titles, that's exactly where we get into. So they're rulers. Here's what we need to know. We need to know that the enemy is working. He's working in an organized manner. The the phrase, um, this present darkness, implies that here on this earth, he's using people and governments and systems any way that he can. If you look at a system like communism that that at one time covered over half the globe that actively forbade people to worship God and went out of its way to destroy Bibles and any access to the gospel. I would say that the system of capitalism isn't much better in promoting the gospel. We have the freedom to worship as we wish as people, but I can tell you that what also can happen is people get distracted by stuff, right? Nobody has need of anything. When I, as I read the description of the church at Laodicea, it reminds me of the United States. We, you're, you're, you think that you're rich and well-fed and have need of nothing. 
But in reality, you're poor and naked and starving to death and don't even realize it. That feels to me like that's describing the country that I'm in. Nobody has need of anything. Just ask them. What they do need is a new car, maybe a new phone, some new stuff. But nobody sees their spiritual darkness. So you have two different diametrically opposed systems that as far as the enemy concerned, both accomplish his goal, which is to blind people to their need for a Savior. The enemy's going to do whatever he can do, whatever system he can go through, whether it's an earthly system, whether it's our own mind. Uh, the other night I was watching... Um, a show that was trying that was it was a documentary that was trying to look at um, the jail system and and kind of ask the question: Does this help people who come into jail uh, reform, or does this actually educate them better in how to do crimes? And kind of looked at it from a bunch of different views. And one of the people that they were interviewing was a guy who claimed to be a Christian who was in in prison. He was in prison for attempted murder, um, and he had the most weird, twisted backwards idea about Christianity that I think I've ever seen in my life. It was like he'd made it up as he was going along, and every time you saw him, he had a Bible. And yet he was talking about how he could telepathically communicate with his girlfriend and how there were demons that were attacking her and clawing up her back over here and, and all this crazy, weird, super, super, super superstitious. Is that, could that, is that possible? Um, just plain old superstitious, superstitions and, and, and little totems. And he had mixed Christianity and, and, and Native American religion as he saw it and, and all this crazy stuff and came up with this idol of his own making. And you know what? If the enemy allowed him to use that to, to go to hell, he's perfectly fine that he goes to hell while carrying his King James Bible with him. That very clearly he had never opened up and read because he had all these crazy ideas. He doesn't care what system he uses, but he, he has a system. He's working through rulers and authorities and things in this present darkness. And so we could easily look at things and think there's no hope. That we're, we're fighting futilely. That, that we as Christians are... Uh, we're the, the last ones around, and we're fighting the Alamo. And sometimes I think that in our country, that's exactly how we feel. I know when I was, before I was pastoring this church, and I was kind of going around Etowah County and preaching, it blew my mind how every church that we went to, there was just this defeated spirit of, you know, there's nothing we can do. It's all, all um, falling apart, and our country's going crazy, and and, you know, we're going to turn around twice and Sharia law is going to be in, in a forest. And, and there's just this defeated attitude. And so I want us to back up a little bit in the same book in Ephesians. And we'll close tonight by looking at Paul's prayer for the same church that he said, you're fighting against rulers and principalities in darkness. In Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 15 through 23, we have one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. Paul says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he starts saying his prayer. What is he praying? He's praying that the Lord... Uh, wait, I lost myself on my page. That the Lord our... Uh, that, the, the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... 
the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you might know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Do those words sound familiar? Far above that and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His, Jesus' feet, and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness to Him who fills all in all. We are not defeated. We are victorious. We fight against an enemy who is already defeated. He was defeated at the cross. And we, on the authority of God's Word, can stand in front of someone, like in Steve's situation... Or in April's situation, I, I Tuesday had the privilege of standing in there and saying, April, it, it, it's not going to work out on this side of the Jordan. But I can tell you on the authority of this book that the victory's been won. And that the enemy can't touch your soul. And that your last breath on this earth will be followed by Glory. I mean, just listen to the richness of what Paul is saying here. He's not writing something about an enemy that is going to defeat us. In fact, he says that Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, that God didn't just raise him from the dead and said, there, we're done. No, he seated him on the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Jesus isn't just overcoming. We are more than conquerors. Satan is Jesus' unwilling lackey. He goes where he's told. He sits when he's told to sit. And he moves when he's told to move. Because he's already been defeated. Jesus died taking away our sin. And then he rose again victorious with the keys of death and hell in his hand. And all things are put under Jesus' feet. And it's not just there. He gave Him as head over all things to the church. This church that we are a part of, the church universal, stretches out across the last 2,000 years and will never end. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whether we deal with active shooters, whether we deal with a government that comes in and tries to shut us down, whether we deal with people who say, you can't say that, that's hate speech, no matter what the circumstances are, the church will be triumphant. And the people that the church are made up of are already seated in the heavenly places. It is so sure that Paul states it in past tense. And so don't think, as we continue next week looking at spiritual armor and how we fight against that enemy, 
And even though we say we in and of ourselves can't take the fight to him, we serve a king who's already won. And so we don't have to hang our head in shame or live in fear. You know, I joked with you about uh, when I worked at the mine, having no problem having the, the, the tag 13. And I, I, one of my favorite things to do is when someone throws a superstition in my face, being able to say, I ain't got to worry about that because I serve a living God. I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And He has declared me not on any merit of my own, but He has declared me one of His saints. Furthermore, Jesus called me one of His friends. And so I have nothing to fear. So if you got ghosts in your house and you don't, don't want to sell it cheap, let me know. So don't think that, that we serve an enemy who is triumphant. Even uh, this week has been a week where it feels like you know I'm dealing with death a lot or, and people in this church are dealing with death a lot. Even in the face of death, our enemy is impotent. Because death will not take us. To be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. I remember the old, old hymn. Just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven. Of touching a hand and finding it God's. Of breathing new air and finding it celestial. That will be glory. Glory for me. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us keep an eye on you. That we wouldn't look at the storms raging around us. That we wouldn't sink in the sea of this world. But we would look always to you. Our victory. Our God and King. Our friend our Master, our Father. Lord, we thank you that you've got us in the eye of this storm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.